Welcome to another inspirational message from Dave Koop, Senior Pastor of Coastal Church in Vancouver, Canada. So this morning we're going to continue the series on freedom from traps, and this one's called The Trap of Procrastination. So if you have your notes, grab those, and we're going to look at this trap and expose again one of the ways that the enemy traps people. Paul said we shouldn't be ignorant of his devices. His devices are just traps, and as we've mentioned in the past, he uses the same traps that he's used for years. He changes it up a bit, but he uses the same traps over and over again. Our key verse for this series is Psalm 124, verse 7 and 8. Here it says, our soul, and if you like, again, circle the word soul, because that's what he traps. The soul is your mind, your will, and emotions, and the trap really is what goes on between your ears. This is what he's after. He's after your choice. He's after your ability to reason. He wants to hold us in that area of our lives. Our soul has escaped. That's the good news. We've escaped as a bird. Again, he uses a bird because it's the greatest picture of freedom, a bird that can fly Three dimensions, a bird from the snare of the fowlers. It says the snare is broken. That's good news because if it's broken, it doesn't work on us anymore. We may have been trapped in this or may have been trapped in that, but if the snare is broken, it's busted. It no longer affects us. It no longer holds us. There have been a lot of people that have been trapped in an addiction. The snare is broken by the strong hand of the Lord. That addiction no longer holds them. The snare is broken. We have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. If God can make heaven and earth, doesn't it make sense that he'd be strong enough to pull us out of a trap? The trap is always designed to be stronger than the victim, and the victim can never get out on his own. But if the name of the Lord is called upon, that name will set you free from the snare of the fowler. This trap, the trap of procrastination, is one that we can all slip into really easily, and it can affect the destiny we have for our lives. Really, that's where we're going with this morning's message, because you have something big on the inside of you. God's got a great plan for your life. And one of the subtleties of our enemy is to slowly pull you into procrastination so the weeks go by, the months go by, the years go by, the decades go by, and one day you look back and you think, man, I was going to do that course. I was going to enroll in that. I was going to get fit. Or I was going to do that. And all of a sudden, time's gone by, and we just kind of like, well, what's the use anymore? That's where he'd like us, because when we're fulfilled in our destiny, when we're doing what God's called us to do, we're making a difference in our world today. And he doesn't want any world changers. He wants us to be lulled to sleep. But God said, no, no, there is something great in you. Before you got out of bed this morning, before your feet touched the floor, God thought more thoughts about you than all the sand of the sea. Jeremiah tells us the thoughts were good. They're about your future, what God had for you. He's got a dream for you, has a plan for you. The enemy would love to take and pull you into this kind of a trap where the weeks, the months, the years go by and you don't feel, fulfill what God's called you to be. So today we want to expose the trap. Here's the definition in your notes, the trap of procrastination. To bring about change so slowly, the victim doesn't realize he or she's being trapped. In this trap, the victim puts off deciding for so long that he or she can no longer decide. Wikipedia, you're familiar with that, gives this description of procrastination. Procrastination may result in stress. It really describes the trap. 
a sense of guilt and crises, severe loss of personal productivity, as well as social disapproval for not meeting responsibilities or commitments. These feelings combined may promote further procrastination. While it is regarded as normal for people to procrastinate to some degree, it becomes a problem when it impedes normal functioning. Now listen carefully to this last sentence of the description. Chronic procrastination may be a sign of an underlying psychological disorder. What's that? That's the soul being trapped. And if we don't recognize it, if we don't wake up to it, it traps our soul. Last week, if you were here, we had the orange monster, and uh, we had the pumpkin. Remember that? We had the orange monster trap, and today, we don't have an orange monster. We got a green one, and, uh, but it's a little bit smaller, and uh, so I'm going to grab it. This is uh, the frog. So last week, we had the pumpkin, and uh, this week, we got the frog, and we're going to talk about the trap of procrastination. It's an experiment you've likely heard about. It's an example that's been used a lot, but we'll use it again, and it's about a frog who's cooked to death because of procrastination. This particular experiment, they tell us, is done in biology courses around the world, and it's pretty simple. You get a beaker, and I know this is not a beaker. I got this out of my wife's cooking uh, drawer. This is a, a mixing bowl. You get a, but this would work. You get a beaker, you fill it with water, and you run a warm bath for the frog, or a cool bath, whatever you would like it. You, you put the frog into the bath. And then underneath, you slowly, slowly increase temperature. Matter of fact, from what I read, here's the exact formula in case you want to do the experiment. I'm not encouraging it, but if you're so inclined. It's two-thirds degree Fahrenheit every five minutes. I mean, that's very slow. Every five minutes, you just notch it up. Not even one degree Fahrenheit, just two-thirds a degree Fahrenheit. So it's a very slow change. Now, the frog's very comfortable in this, and... There's no emergency. There's no lid on it. He can jump to freedom anytime he wants to. But the change happens so slowly that he never jumps out. He knows something's not quite right. He knows I should probably be getting out of here because this is getting warmer. But I could do this tomorrow. Procrastination is a Latin word. It just means pro-tomorrow. I could do it tomorrow. I don't have to do it today. And then tomorrow comes, and we just, well, I can do it tomorrow. I don't have to do it today. And so eventually, the water gets hot enough that it boils, and the frog doesn't realize what's happened, and he's cooked to death. Last night, we had a fellow came up after the service, and with tears in his eyes, he said, I, I want to thank you so much for this message. And his words to me were really inspiring. He said, I jumped out of the beaker tonight. This might be your morning to jump out of the beaker. Say, uh, uh, I'm jumping out today. I, I realize what's going on, and I'm going to jump out of the beaker. So if that's for you, I hope it's your morning to jump out of the beaker and say, no, I'm not going to be caught in this trap of procrastination. What, what are some examples of being caught in the trap of procrastination? One that comes to mind because <laughs> I have found it applied to my life at different seasons is exercise. And I don't know if it's ever been that way for you, but I will, I'll put off exercising because I know I could do it tomorrow. And after all, if I exercise today, I'm going to likely hurt tomorrow. I don't want to hurt tomorrow, and I don't want the pain. I'm, and sometimes I'm even embarrassed to go into the gym. I think, oh, you know, what will they think? I haven't worked out. And, you know, uh, I, I, so I, I put it off. Tomorrow will be better. You know, I could work on this and work on that, and really I don't have time for it, so I'll put it off until tomorrow. And you know what it's like. 
at least it's this way for me, if I put it off long enough, it becomes very difficult to exercise. So that would be one example. We could use an example of diet. Oh, I should probably change the way I'm eating. And we put it off, but it doesn't really affect me today, so we put it off for another day. Those are kind of lighter examples. We could use the example of taking our children to church. You know, I, I, it's pretty busy. I'm going to put it off. I'll, I'll bring them next week. This week they got this on and that on. I'll bring them next week. Or we can miss a week and miss a week. We'll put it off. And all of a sudden, we realize there's a change that's taken place. Yesterday we had an amazing service. We had a child dedication, parent dedication service. And we had children and parents lined up from one end to the other. And it was, it was, a lot, it was full. A lot of people were here yesterday, family and friends and and they were so supportive, so much, just encouraging every one of these parents and cheering them on. And I looked at that, and I just thought, yeah, yay, God. If there's ever a time where we need strong parenting is this hour. Because guess what? We can't rely on our schools. We can't rely on the police. We can't rely on the education of the government. We as parents, as homes, we need to be the ones that are saying, I will instruct my children in the way of the Lord. I will daily do it. There's days we don't feel like it. There's days we could put it off, but I'm going to daily continue to instruct them, to guide them, to direct them. It's awkward to have this talk. It's awkward to talk about what's going on, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to continue to show them, to explain to them. I'm going to train them up in the ways of the Lord. I heard this past week on the radio that a police officer, Sergeant Highland from Pitt Meadows, Asking for that on the Bill Good Show. Oh, that parents would teach their children because there's no moral compass anymore. Her question was, who will set the moral and ethical boundaries for the Internet? You can't, re- you can't depend on the government to do that. It's, it's up to us, up to us as leaders in our homes to do that and to consistently, not procrastinate on it, consistently do devotions. Oh, I'll do devotions next week with my children. Next week I'll read them a Bible story before they go to bed. Next month I'll take them. You procrastinate long enough, all of a sudden the trap has been set. I don't know if you listened to the news this past week, but I think it shocked us when we heard what happened to this young woman in Pitt Meadows and just the tragedy of that. One of the editorials in the paper read this way. Jerry, uh, John Ferry wrote, My overall view is that in rejecting organized religion, our me-first society has lost its moral compass. We may have become adept at hugging trees, but we've lost the ability to behave decently toward our fellow human beings. Little by little, we've crossed ethical boundaries set up to keep our community strong. It's high time there was a major pushback. And if you were here last week, we we sounded the alarm. We said, wait a minute, in that trap of change. We said, we need to sound the alarm on this, orange monster. And when I heard that in news last week, I thought, this is it. There needs to be an alarm. We we need to get back to what we know to do. Stop putting it off. Don't procrastinate. Let's continue to be diligent and training our families in the ways of the Lord. There's something about being planted in God's house. There's something about doing daily devotions, constantly praying and being vigilant in it, not procrastinating on it. It's easy to do, but the results can be devastating. So let's go through a few reasons why we procrastinate, and uh, then we'll go through some keys to defeat procrastination. A lot of this is just common sense, but as you know, sometimes common sense is not so common. So let's run through these. Number one, 
Actually, we changed number one last night in the service. So if you've got your notes, we made some changes to point number one last night. Because number one says we are lazy, and we just decided last night to put in they are lazy, because it's none of us, so that doesn't apply. That's, that's somebody else, but they're lazy. That's why they procrastinate. So Proverbs 26, 13 says, The lazy person is full of excuses, saying, I can't go outside because there might be a line on the road. Yes, I'm sure there's a line out there. It sounds very silly, but excuses are silly when we procrastinate on something we know we need to be doing for the destiny God has in our life. Excuses are silly. Number two, our desire is not stronger than the pain or boredom or difficulty or discomfort of the task. Usually when we put off something, it's because we don't want to be uncomfortable. We don't want to experience a little bit of pain. Again, I'll take exercising. We put it off because, you know, I'm not too comfortable. I, I may feel some pain the next day, so I'll, I'll pro tomorrow. I'll keep putting it off. And it could be in many areas of life. We put it off because of that reason. I, it may not be that way for you, but for me, I find if I put things off, if I procrastinate on something, as time goes on, whatever I'm procrastinating becomes bigger and bigger. Does, that, does it work that way for you? You put it off, and the next day, and the next day, about a month later, you know, for example, do my income tax. I, I know I could do it, let's say, in February. I, I can do it at the end of February. March comes along, so, you know, I'll do it in the middle of March. And the longer I wait, the bigger the job becomes. Procrastination has a way of doing that. Somebody once said, procrastination is fertilizer for difficult problems. It helps difficult problems grow the longer you procrastinate it. Proverbs 20, verse 4 says, The hater of work will not do his plowing because of the winter. Well, winter's cold, winter's hard, but life has hard tasks. Life has difficult things that need to be done. In the world that we live in today, with a lot of creature comforts and a lot of importance placed on ease and comfort, we can easily put off doing that. I love the book that was written by those two teenagers that said, Do the hard things. Where young people stand up and say, No, we're going to do the hard things. Not put it off, we're going to do them. That's a good challenge for all of us. Do the hard things. If we put it off at time of grain cutting, it says he'll be requesting food and not getting nothing. So that's number two. Number three, we want to control or manipulate the situation. You can procrastinate doing something because you want to control the situation. An example being the husband's upset at the wife and she wants him to clean out the garage and he procrastinates cleaning the garage and he says, I'm not going to clean the garage i got a problem with her. She's upset with me, so I'm going to get back. I'm going to procrastinate on doing this because I don't want to be controlled. And so I, I kind of get stubborn and proud and procrastinate. That can cause us to procrastinate, thinking we, we got it under control. There's a story of an eagle that was circling Niagara River and looked down and saw a cow that was drifting down the river. It's cold, winter, very hungry. So she says, hey, there's a free lunch. Lands on the cow and begins to eat this carcass, drifting downstream. Looks up, sees Niagara Falls coming. And she says, no problem. I can fly away at the last moment. She continues to sit on this carcass. Gets just a few feet before the falls, and she flaps her powerful wings. She can't lift up. Her feet were frozen to the carcass. Both carcass and eagle fall over the, over the cliff. Trapped. Could have done it easier, but procrastinated and didn't wait, got out too late. Uh, 
Number four, we are afraid. This is perhaps the biggest reason we procrastinate. Fear is a very crippling thing. A lot of times we don't do the next step because it's fear-related. God didn't give us a spirit of fear. Make no doubt about it, fear is a spirit. Your IQ will not handle fear. Your physical strength will not conquer fear because it's a spirit. You have to deal with it on a spiritual basis. But God gives us a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. As much as the enemy would like to trap our mind, God wants our mind free, sound, clear thinking, uncluttered. Fear will do a number of things. We'll procrastinate because we fear what others would think about us. We fear rejection. And if that creeps in, well, what if I do this? They might not accept me. I have failed before. I might fail again. I'm not sure I can handle that kind of rejection. So I put it off. I put it off and stepping out instead of stepping out and doing it. I should go back to school. I should complete that. But I failed that last course. I'm not sure I want to do that again. And so we put it off. We put it off. We know that that would be a crucial step for the destiny that God God has for my life. But I put it off and put it off because I'm afraid that I just might fail again. If you look through life and you look at some of the people that really fulfilled and did great things and lived out what God had for them, you'll find that a lot of them failed and went out to do it again. Henry Ford failed and went broke five times before he succeeded. Vince Lombardi, the great football coach, experts said of him he possesses minimal football knowledge and lacks motivation. Lombardi would later write, it's not whether you get knocked down, it's whether you get back up. Uh, Stan Smith, the great tennis player, was rejected as a ball boy for a Davis Cup tennis match because he was too awkward and clumsy. He went on to clumsily win Wimbledon and the U.S. Open and eight Davis Cups where he was rejected. You know Walt Disney. Walt Disney was fired by a newspaper editor because he lacked imagination and had no good ideas. He went bankrupt, Walt Disney, several times before he built Disneyland. In fact, the proposed park was rejected by the city of Anaheim on the grounds that it would, not attract, it would only attract riffraff. Well, I'm riffraff because I've been there and I've really enjoyed it. Uh, Charles Schultz had every cartoon he submitted rejected by his high school yearbook staff. Oh, and Walt Disney wouldn't hire him. But he, he didn't stop moving. He didn't, didn't procrastinate, kept going. He didn't let that stop him. Uh, 1954, Jimmy Denny, manager of the Grand Ole Opry, fired Elvis Presley after one performance. He told Presley, you ain't, gone, you ain't going nowhere, son. You ought to go back to driving a truck. Uh, but Elvis Presley kept moving forward. Here's an interesting one. Van Gogh sold only one painting during his life, and this to his sister of one of his friends for about $50. However, he didn't stop, didn't procrastinate. He only sold one painting in his life for not very much, but he went on to complete over 800 paintings. And his full contribution and purpose wasn't really recognized till after he died. And sometimes we, we stop doing the little things that we need to do that take us to the greatness God has in our life because we get stuck in this. We say, I can put it off till tomorrow. I can put it off. All of a sudden, the years slip through our fingers, and we're going, where did time go? And when we do that, the enemy comes along and tells us something, and you know what he whispers? You're too old. It's over. You wasted your years. You may as well just coast to the grave now. And about that time, you have to rise up. 
and say, you are a liar. Because my God is stronger than the trap. And if my God be for me, who can be against me? You're a liar. I have great things, God said, planned for my life. He's been dreaming, hoping. There's no age limit on this. And I choose to fulfill the God-given destiny that he's given to me. You think of some people that did great things when they got older. I was inspired reading the stories of Colonel Sanders. You know, we, you know who he is. Well, actually, we have a generation who don't know who he is because we, we have KFC. We don't have Colonel Sanders and we have Kentucky Fried Chicken. But it, when he was 65 years old, he had one store, restaurant, that was failing. The internet, internet, interstate, not internet, interstate, had built a high, the highway, came in and cut off his restaurant. At 65, he took a social security check of $105 and said, I'm going to find a way to franchise this. At 65, he could have procrastinated. He could have said, it's over. He said, no way. There's got to be another way. And he, he did. He went on to build what's known today as KFC at age 65. Many other examples of that. Uh, so that's number four. We're afraid, fear of what others think, fear of what it'll cost, time, money, energy. We put it off. So, oh, you know, I don't have the time. I don't have the money to do that. We put it off. Fear of success. Yes, we can be afraid of success. Well, I don't know if I want that. If I get good grades, my parents are going to expect more of me. I don't know if I want that. If I get straight A's, that means I've got to get A's next time. Or if I take this promotion, if I'm manager, uh, I take this course that the company wants me to take and take that course, they're going to make me manager. If I'm manager, that means I've got to be responsible for all this. And, boy, I don't know if I want that kind of responsibility. I think it would be just easier to coast through so I can have my weekends free and I can just kind of go coasting through life. And so we're actually afraid of the success. We're afraid of the greatness that God has for us. Oh, remember the greatness that God has for us, it's bigger than we are. It's designed to be that way so that we rely on God. That's why Jabez prayed, oh, God bless me indeed. Enlarge my territory. And then he prayed, and may your hand go with me because it is bigger than we are. Why does God make it bigger than we are? That way, he's glorified, we're not glorified. So fear can cause us to procrastinate. Ralph Waldo Emerson said this, what you are afraid of or afraid to do is a clear indication of what the next thing you should do. Number five, we procrastinate because we're overwhelmed or we're distracted with less important things. Good becomes the enemy of best. That was in our skit. He was distracted, Ryan, to go to Alpha because, and they were good things, but they distracted him from the main thing. We can also be procrastinating because we lack the wisdom, the knowledge, or the skills. Proverbs 26, 16 says, Lazy people consider themselves smarter than seven wise counselors. When Colonel Sanders was in that story, when he was at 65 looking to get restarted, he talked to a guy who has a hamburger place across the street. He started Wendy's. His name was Dave Thomas. And he went to him and he said, Hey, what do I do with this? And he said, well, you've got to simplify your menu. You've got way too much on your menu. Just sell chicken and salads and you'll be okay. So they changed the menu, got some wise counsel, and it helped them to take that step. Sometimes they're like, man, I don't know where to start. There's too much information. How do I get started? So that can be a cause for us to procrastinate. 
Okay, quickly, a couple of keys on how to defeat procrastination. Number one, focus on the end result, not the immediate task. Hebrews 12, verse 2. Let's look at Jesus for an example. We must focus on Jesus, the source and goal of our faith. Now notice this next sentence. He saw, if you like, circle the word saw, the joy ahead of him. So he endured the death on the cross, ignored the disgrace it brought him. He could have procrastinated. He said, man, that cross is going to be very, very painful. The beating is going to be very painful. The shame is going to be more painful. Being separated from my, the love of my father will be the most painful. In the Garden of Gethsemane, did not Jesus there in such agony sweat drops of blood and cry out to the Father, if there is any way, let this cup pass from me? Was he not tempted to procrastinate, to put something off? You bet he was. He was like you and I. He, he took on human form. He wrestled with this. He was tempted the same way we are tempted. He can relate to you. He knows what you're going through. When you want to procrastinate on something, you know what you need to be doing, but you've been putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. And the longer you put it off, that great thing God has for you to do will sit there idle. God had a great assignment for his son to go to the cross, to die for our sins, to rise again. What got Jesus through the cross? What got through him the garden? What got our Lord through this? He set his eyes on. He saw the joy ahead of him. What did he see? He saw you. He saw me. He saw our lives changed. He says, man, for David to be changed, that's going to make me happy. I'm going to do it. For George to be changed, I'm going to do that. For Sally to be changed, I'm going to do that. For the nations to be changed, to have a Savior, that's my joy. I will not put this off. Father, I'll do it. And when you are tempted, and I'm tempted to procrastinate, to do the things that we need to be doing, we need to focus rather on what's out there, the joy of that thing being completed. Motivation is a byproduct of your action. Philippians chapter 4, verse 9, Paul said, The things you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. The big word there is do. Two little letters, but it's a big word, do. Because motivation follows action. You know that if you... Maybe it's a musical instrument. Maybe it's exercise program, whatever we're procrastinating on. The motivation comes after we do it. If we're waiting to get motivated, it never happens. But once you start doing it, you're motivated to do it. You've got to prime the pump, so to speak. Number two, how do we defeat procrastination? Get a God plan. Work the plan. Habakkuk chapter 2. Then the Lord answered and said, write the vision Make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. Henry Kissinger said, if you do not know where you're going, every road will get you nowhere. So if you don't have a plan, if you have not written it down, if you don't have it stated, why doesn't an Olympic athlete get up, go through a grueling exercise program? Because they've set their eyes on the joy of winning a medal. That's what gives them strength and courage to get up and say, I'm not going to sleep in. I'm going to do this. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be hard work, but I'm not going to procrastinate. I'm going to do it. Mm. You know what, Coastal Church? God's stirring up our church. He's stirring us up because there's greater things in us. There's bigger things. There's more to do. We're not done. We could coast. It's comfortable in Canada. We could just say, you know what? I, I, I think I've done enough. I think I can just coast through the rest of our life. And today I just sense the Holy Spirit just stirring us up. No, no, no. I've got greater things planned for you. So it takes some work. 
You're going to have to make some decisions. There's going to be things that you'll feel like procrastinating on. But if you'll follow me, if you'll, you'll take it one step at a time, watch what I'll do for you. It'll take some work. There'll be days where it may even seem boring. There'll be days where it'll seem like it's, it's very uncomfortable. But if you'll follow me, watch what I'll do for you. Okay, number, number three, redeem the time. Colossians 4, verse 5, live wisely among those who are not Christians and make the most of every opportunity. What does an opportunity look like? An opportunity looks like work. An opportunity looks like a mess. An opportunity looks like a need. But there are opportunities that come along. We have to redeem the time. There are days where you'll need to take 60 minutes, block it off. No cell phone, no internet, no distraction. And for 60 minutes, I will focus on this thing that God's calling me to do. No distractions. Number four, reward yourself. Make it fun. That's important. As we go through life and you set these milestones for yourself, not procrastinating, you have to get some rewards. I worked for a company a number of years ago, and it was a company that sold uh, chemicals to different refineries and, and uh, potash plants and so forth. It was a long sales process. Sometimes it would take us a year or more. The sales were large, maybe two hundred, five hundred thousand dollars 500000 And one day my boss would drive along in the car. He said to me, he congratulated me because the sale was closed and the count was established. And he said, Dave, what did you do to celebrate? And I said, ah, oh, you know, I, I bought myself a milkshake or something. And he got really upset at me. And he said, Dave, what are you doing to have fun on this job? I said, well, I enjoy meeting the people, and I'm trying to give the right answer. He goes, no. He said, if you don't enjoy this job, if you're not having fun, if you're not celebrating, you're not going to be happy. Your wife's not going to be happy. Now, we're going to change some things. I give you an expense account. When you make a sale like that and you get through something, I want you to take your wife for a steak. I want you to buy a steak. We're paying the babysitter. I'll pay the taxi, whatever it is, but you go celebrate. You're supposed to have fun on the job. I'd never heard a manager tell me that before. I said, yes, sir, we can do that. (laughs) We're in for that. Let's have fun. If you don't have fun, but you have to, he said, said, I'm empowering you. You cover this territory. If you don't want to fun, that's your fault. But if you want to last, if you want to make it, if you want to reach your goals, he looked at me and said, Dave, you're going to have to celebrate the steps along the way. Otherwise, you're you're not going to make it. Good advice. Number five, tell others about your goals. Give someone permission to check in periodically to make sure you're staying on track. Just like George checked in on Ryan. Hey, Ryan, come on. Let's go to Alpha. Number six, take your strength from the Lord. This is probably the most important. Philippians 2.13, God is working in you. This is good news. God's on your team. If I was starting a hockey team, and I announced you today, we're going to start... The, our hockey team is called Coastal Saints. We have our own hockey team, Coastal Saints. And what have I announced today? Sidney Crosby has retired, and he has joined the Coastal Saints. How many think we stand a winning chance? We've got Sidney. And Luongo has also retired, and he's going to be playing goal for us. You think, okay, you guys are, you got a winning team. It's not even fair. Well, that's a pale comparison that God is on your team. The enemy doesn't stand a chance. God is working in you, giving you what? Desire. Desire produces motivation to not procrastinate, to obey him, and what? Power to do what pleases him. Man, that's good news. You can just take Philippians 2.13 and chew on that the rest of the week. 
Trap of procrastination. Let's avoid that one so we can accomplish what God's called us to do. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to download free notes from this message or find out more information about Pastor Dave Coop, then we invite you to visit our website at www.coastalchurch.org.